I thought maybe I'll move to Chicago or, you know, San Francisco. And now I'm like, maybe I'll move everywhere. I'll just, I'll just live everywhere. It's great. Amna is a writer and visibility consultant who works from all over the world. She moves to a new country every couple of months. She's part of a growing subculture of people who call themselves digital nomads. But she didn't build that kind of life overnight. On a rare trip to New York, just before the holidays last November, Amna sat down with me at the Radio Free Brooklyn studios to tell me about her life's big junctions. For context, my mother is a Jew and my father is Muslim. Growing up, there was a lot of both cultures, which made it interesting and made me aware of the outside world, even as a little kid, because we would come to the States every summer and my mother's relatives would visit and send us books. And it was not the typical childhood. Amna's mother was from the U.S., And when Amna was nine, she decided to move back with Amna and her siblings. Amna had some trouble adjusting to the move. Huge to move from one of the biggest cities in the world to a small town in Pennsylvania where I had a funny accent because I went to grammar school and I looked different and I didn't I didn't understand a lot of the cultural context. I understood some of the history, but not the right cartoons and movies. Mm -hmm. Amna's first big decision one that she also describes as her best decision, was shortly after that move. Seeing her trouble adjusting, Amna's mom gave her the option of moving back to Pakistan to live with her dad. She said, you know, I know you're having a really hard time here and you're not adjusting. And if you want, I will send you back. I will let you go back. And I didn't, I didn't go. I stayed. And I think that was a really big turning point for me because now this was my decision. This wasn't something I was dragged along on. That's a big decision for a little kid, one that substantially altered what Amna's life ended up looking like. Just thinking about it invokes a parallel reality, a version of Amna's life where she took the offer and moved back. I asked Amna to imagine the alternate reality version of herself um, she lives in Pakistan, is married and has kids, and I'm in a different country every month to three months. But life doesn't always put big decisions right in front of us. Sometimes it offers us a path of least resistance, where the only choice we make is to take it. After that big decision, I just sort of didn't decide for a long time, and I just sort of went wherever life took me. Non-decisions, I have learned, are a form of decision. A terrible one. What were some non-decisions you felt like you made? So like the non-decision of moving to New York after college because it was, you know, close to my family and I wanted to be close to my family. And I didn't really decide what I wanted to do for grad school. So I never made it to grad school and I didn't decide what I wanted for a career. So I sort of had a eh, career. I had a job, not a career. For so many people... 
jumping into the swift current of an expected young adult life can be irresistibly comfortable. This might be especially true, though, for someone like Amna. When you're in between two cultures, kind of an outsider in both of them, no one is quite sure how you're supposed to turn out. There's not this obvious blueprint for how your life will go. But then for 20-somethings in a big metropolitan city, there's a formula that's blind to what culture you came from. Get a job. Decorate an apartment. Do some dating. Be normal. Time passed like this. But then one day, Amna turned her back on normal. I've been living here about a decade. And... um. This is not how I recommend making decisions. Okay. But I had had a bone and gum graft, which is really painful and awful, and I don't recommend. And I was very high on post-surgery <laughs> painkillers. Um, and I was not happy with my living situation, and I'd gone through a breakup, and I was feeling restless because even when I lived in New York, I took off for... Uh, Asia for a month. I moved to Egypt to study Arabic for a month before. Like, travel has always been important to me. And I thought, you know, I've only lived in New York. I have friends who live in Chicago and San Francisco and Portland and Seattle. Like, I should go look at some other places. And while I was recovering from the surgery, I looked up some plane tickets and I bought a bunch. While high on medication. While very high on pain medication. This was a decision in pieces because I decided to pack up my life and end things here and move somewhere else. But I went to Chicago, I went to Portland, I went to Seattle and San Francisco, and I think all the way up to Vancouver. And then I decided to go to London to see my sister and Paris to see my college roommate. And then I decided to go to Asia. And then finally, I decided I wasn't coming back. At this point, you might be thinking, how did Amna pay for all this? Well, like a true millennial, Amna didn't have a job to quit. She had always been a freelancer, working mostly on writing and editing projects. At first, she just didn't tell her clients where she was and kept working from the road. But the nomadic lifestyle gave her some space to reflect on her professional life and whether it was working for her. It allowed me to assess what made me happy and what didn't. And travel was clearly making me very happy, but the work I was doing was not. And so I decided I'm going to change and what is going to make me happy and allow me to live a lifestyle that I'm comfortable with. So how did you do that? I got lucky. I've always loved reading and writing. And so I started writing more and I happened, and this is the weirdest, most roundabout way. I had written a piece for a friend's friend's company. I got a message from her saying, what did you do to this piece? Because it's ranking in Google and we're getting traffic. Huh. I was like, huh, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I wrote it. I wrote a thing that I would want to read. And, and so that's where I started. And I started learning about marketing and I started from the SEO perspective. Mm -hmm. I approached it from the content and human side instead of just the numbers. Thus began Amna's love affair with online marketing. I've rarely seen anyone light up talking about their job the way Amna does talking about marketing. I love it. I love marketing so much because to me, it's just about 
having a conversation with people. And if you know who you're speaking to and you know how to listen to them and give them what they're looking for, the information, the service, the whatever it is that they need and having that, that conversation, that dynamic, that trust, it's so powerful. And it's what I think a lot of companies are really screwing up. I got to spend a year really digging into that and going, I love this. How do I get someone to pay me for this? How do I make a living? I loved what I was learning about so much. I wanted to keep watching the talk from the conference. I wanted to keep reading this guide. I wanted to keep writing and seeing how this worked. And I hadn't had that experience since I was in school, not for something that mattered. I've stayed up till four in the morning reading a book more often than I want to admit to, but this was something that was interesting and work-related, which I'd never experienced before in my life. Though Amna still writes sometimes, she now spends most of her work time on marketing. Recently, she's followed her curiosity into the cannabis industry, where she especially likes to consult with women-led businesses. Yeah, so I work with cannabis industry clients, and one of my favorite things about being in the industry is visiting different cultures and seeing what their cannabis culture is like. It's so different. The taboo of cannabis is part of what drew Amna to it. I have always been really intrigued by things that have been socially unacceptable becoming acceptable. Some of my family is very religious on both sides. And so my father's side, um, religious Muslims, like, you know, drinking's not allowed and eating pork and all of these different things. And so they're not acceptable to these people. But my mother's side of the family, quite a lot of them, drink because it's perfectly acceptable in Judaism. And so what, what, what does that mean? What does yeah. different societies, how do they feel about it? And how do I feel about it? So Amna has been living this way for years now. The way I see it, she lives a big, glamorous life. For example, let me just tell you my flight route for 2018. In January, I was in Colombia. Except I went to Peru with my cousins and did Machu Picchu. Wow. And then we went back to Cartagena and I stayed in Colombia. And then I went up to Mexico for March. And then I flew up to New York for a week for my nephew's 10th birthday. And then I went to London and then I went to Lisbon and then flew through Madrid on my way to a small town in northern Spain, Paris, Brussels, Romania, London. Oh, wait, I missed Palma somewhere in there. <laughs> Back to London. Um, Toronto, the DR, Toronto, Columbia, here. Whew. And that's a slow year. This kind of life feels totally out of reach for me. And for most people I know. I just don't know how I'd ever make that kind of commitment. It seems terrifying. Giving up your home, taking on the entire world. But in this conversation... Amna revealed that she's afraid of commitment, too. I didn't have a lease for a very long time when I lived in New York. I was month to month because I was terrified of making a decision that would feel like a trap. Hmm. And in this way, even though I'm deciding to constantly be moving and, oh, I'll decide to go here, I'll decide to go there, I have the freedom to decide to go anywhere mm -hmm. that I can get a visa. And it's, it's nice. You'll remember she described the choice to become a nomad as a decision in pieces. First one trip, then another, then another until she realized she wasn't coming back. 
Amna helped me realize something incredibly freeing, that all decisions can be like that. Small baby steps in the direction that we want to go. The most important thing I've realized about decisions is that almost nothing can't be changed. So you can make a decision and even if it's a really big one, there are pivots you can make. So just because you're going in this direction doesn't mean that's the only direction you can go. Like maybe you can't reverse back out and pick something completely different, but you can pivot a little bit and make it something else. Like had I gone to law school and realized I didn't want to be a lawyer, I could have become a professor or I could have, I mean, I don't even know because yeah. I haven't researched this, but there are other things <laughs> you can do. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just such incredible advice. It's like so much of what scares us about making big decisions is the idea that we can't get out of it. Like it, everything feels permanent, like jumping off a cliff, but instead it's probably more like just making a right on the end of the, end of the block and you can always turn back left if you need to. Exactly. And you won't be this, going the same direction. You won't see exactly the same sights as if you had made the left three blocks ago, mm -hmm. but you'll see other sites and yeah. some of them will be amazing. Bushwick Junction explores the crossroads in our lives, which paths we choose when we reach them and where those choices lead us or don't. Amna taught me that to go everywhere, you just have to go somewhere first. Do you think that staying in one place is on the horizon in the short term or the long term or never? Um, I'd be reluctant to say never just because that's a really long time. This is Bushwick Junction on Radio Free Brooklyn, and I'm Asha Saluja. <laughs> <laughs>